share a couple of stories before I get into this message just to encourage you and um, because uh, we've been going for nearly two years and and uh, when we started we it's a, it's a kind of funny story but God began to send all these sick people to us <laughs> it's not funny <laughs> and we're praying for young energetic young people and we get these some elderly bless praise God for the elderly people <laughs> I mean yeah I mean that but the thing was we they were sick we got people with cancer and people with kidney failure and people with all sorts of diseases and I said to the Lord you know God uh, could you please send me some healthy people why are you sending us all of these sick people and um, uh, and I got no answer at all and then after a while I felt the Lord was saying to me well what are you going to do about it because if you believe that the people who walk through your doors are sent by the Holy Spirit, then you have to deal with that. <laughs> and we've had different ones come and go and so on and so forth. But so we began to, um, and so just about, eight, oh, I think about 14, 15 months ago, a guy came into our church who had terminal cancer and he, he, would, he told us his story. Um, and I've mentioned my friend David and... Um, He's been a wonderful sign in the house of the miraculous working power of God. <laughs> Sorry. David was diagnosed actually two years ago last week with terminal cancer, lymphomic cancer, right through his whole body. Uh, went to his brain. He was having all kinds of seizures. And uh, it's actually, I think he told me just last week, it was two years ago on Thursday that he walked out of his place of employment, not able to work, had a, all kinds of treatment. And at the end of the treatment, he was told by the surgeons, there's nothing we can do, get your affairs in order. And so he and the family had to sit down together. He went even to a funeral director to sort out what was going to happen. And while he was in the hospital, he cried out to God and said, God, where are the men of faith who can come and lay hands upon me? He'd been away from the church and from the Lord for 12 years, backslidden. And this crisis brought him to the reality of his mortality and the fact that he could well be standing before God very, very soon. And so he cries out to God, and quite miraculously, we had nothing to do with this, but quite miraculously, five or six men visited him in hospital, people that he hadn't known for years or hadn't seen for it. They just walked into the hospital. One guy was visiting somebody else and saw him in there and they prayed for healing for him. And would you believe it? God began to heal him. And so he walked into our church and I happened to be preaching that day on and don't make sure you don't lose your legacy in God came out, recommitted his life to God. And of course, we've prayed. he told me the story. He said, I'm, I'm recovering from terminal cancer. He believed God's healed him. So we kept praying for him. He was going back to the surgeons every month for a check. This morning, by the way, at Aspire Levin, he's giving his testimony about what God has done. So good. <laughs> you know, you hear the stories. And uh, we love the stories, that, and, but when you know the person and you can talk to them and they tell the story about what God did, what they went through, and God came through for them, yeah. it just does something to you. And so in the middle of all of these sick people walking into our church, we have this man who I 
prophetically declared over, you are a sign in the house. <laughs> because if, some, if someone gets healed in the house, any sick person coming in can go and say, and I've said to people, go and talk to that man there. Yeah. And he sits and I, I can see him making all the gestures about how it was down here and it went up here. And, and I t he's telling the story and the people are listening. So that's a wonderful miracle. And so David uh, and I go out every Friday on the streets of Living and we talk to people and we, we're trying to get to pray for people and lay hands on them. I'm not actually sure how that's going to work in the current thing. <laughs> thing anyway, so we've been doing this for a year. I think we've spoken to probably over two or, two or, two or three hundred people on the streets of Levin and prayed for many, many people. And out of many people being prayed for, we've had some miracles. Wow. This is amazing. So, good. so about October, November last year, I'll get into this message in a minute, which is very relevant to what I'm sharing with you now. About November last year, we, he, he moves quite a lot, David, in word of knowledge. So we sit in the cafe, have coffee, and then we say, well, what's God saying? Where we go? So we step out the cafe and we say, which way, Lord? And he said to me that morning, let's go down to the skateboard park. I said, David, there's nobody at the skateboard park. The kids are at school. It's a Friday morning. There'll be nobody there. He said, I feel we should go to the skateboard park. So we went to the skateboard park, which is right behind where we have church and the memorial, uh, the, the town hall. And so there's a man with a little boy, five-year-old, just under five years of age, and he's got pipes in his nose and he's on a, a little lung, a little air, uh, compressed air thing package. And so we, we thought, right, okay, we start a conversation. This guy has a Christian background. I said, oh, we, would you mind if we, what's wrong with your son? He says he's got a rare lung disease. He can't breathe without the oxygen. His, his lungs aren't taking the oxygen in. And so he said, um, we said, well, look, would you mind if we prayed? And when we prayed, the Holy Spirit came. Isn't that good? It's good when the Holy Spirit... And Dad begins to cry, and we, we start to cry, and the little boy's just fidgeting around. And, and, we just, and it, the father said, you know, this is just a God moment. He said, this is not an accident. We know that God has sent you here. And that was great. Said goodbye, walked away. And I've sent a text every now and then trying to get in touch uh, they have a business that they work at weekends and so on. But anyway, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, we just finished our outreach on the Friday and we were in the, in the back lane behind, the, in the service lane behind the cafe. And I hear this voice, he's healed, he's healed. And here's dad and this little boy, Ryan, running up the back lane. And he just arrives in the group there. We're just getting in our car. I said, what's happened? He said, he's healed. He's healed. He said, he doesn't need the oxygen anymore. I said, what? tell me what happened. He said, well, since you prayed, he started to get better from that day. And the following week, he was so well that they decided to take him to the doctors because he's been on this oxygen all of his life since he was born. He nearly didn't make it. And so he's been carrying this oxygen tank around with him. And at nighttime, they dare not take him off the oxygen because he just would probably not breathe and die. And so he tells the story how they went to the doctors. The doctor said, well, try him without the oxygen during the day. And I'm asking him, come on, tell me the details. I want to know the details. <laughs> and it was, he was fine. And then the doctor, so they took him back and the doctor said, try him at night without the oxygen. Watch him, you know, so they're keeping vigil. And little Frankie was fine. So they take him back again. They did some more tests. And the doctor said, and these are his words, there's absolutely nothing wrong with his lungs. Wow. Wow. Completely healed. 
and there's little Frankie, and you, I just had a text the other day from him. He's, he's, he's at school and he's swimming and enjoying everything. He said, it's just wonderful. He keeps sending me little messages about how God is a healer, you know. <laughs> well, you would. So isn't that wonderful? And it just happened that day, we had a new member of our team. There's five of us now go out on a Friday. And we call this practice. We, this is practice for every day. But we have this thing we do on a Friday just to keep ourselves sharp. Remember that word? You've got to stay sharp. So, can I tell another story? Uh, so, my friend David, who just loves to tell everybody about the fact that he's healed. He rang me up on the Friday morning, can you bring the anointing oil? You know, we, we, some, we, the Bible says to anoint people with oil, so that's great. So I thought, well, what's he going to do, start anointing everybody in the streets? So I just brought the anointing oil. We arrived at the cafe and our other friend was with us for the first time and he bought a handkerchief, one handkerchief at Farmers. He said, I've been talking to my barber. He's an Indian, a Fijian Indian Hindu, and he's about to go to Fiji to see his father who's very, very sick. And so he'd asked him while the guy was cutting his hair, well, have you had prayer for your father? And so the man tells him, this is the son, he said, I, I've had all kinds of prayer. I've had the witch doctor's prayer, I've had the Muslim prayer, I've had the, this kind of prayer and that kind of prayer because the Hindus have many gods. And he said, well, he, so David said, well, have, have you tried the prayer in the name of Jesus? No, I never tried that one, you know, so that was the end of the conversation. As he came back to have coffee, he thought, I'm not going to stand for this. I'm going to do something. So he goes and buys the sankey. We anoint it with oil in the cafe. You like this story. It's a good story. This has just happened. This has just happened. He said, um, so we anointed it with oil, and he said, I'm going to go back and give it to the son. So when he goes to Fiji, and he wrote a little prayer out, when this handkerchief is laid on the sick man, he will be raised up by the power of God in the name of Jesus. And he told the father, they told the son, tell your father or you read this prayer over your father. So that was the story. We didn't hear anything for several weeks. And a couple of weeks ago, we're having our coffee. I'm going to go and see the barber, he said. He's back. And here's the story. The man had gone to the family in Fiji. The father has been in bedridden for seven months. I'm giving the facts. I was really careful to get the facts. Seven months bedridden, wasn't eating, fading away, had to be bathed and toileted in bed. Okay. The father receives the son privately into his room. He said, I've met a man who told me about Jesus. You had to hold this handkerchief, which is covered in anointing oil. <laughs> and he read the prayer. Within one hour, the man walked into the room and said, I'm very hungry, I need food. Wow. The mother burst into tears. The two brothers of this barber were there. They couldn't believe what's happened. At that point, I got in touch with uh, Moses, um, who's a New Life pastor in Suva, said, you've got to follow these guys up. And I'm still waiting to hear. I got a text uh, yesterday from David. I'm going for another haircut, he said. <laughs> An hour later, I get another text. The guy is back to work driving his tractor in the fields, completely healed. Yes. Wow. One more story. I've got to tell these stories. I'm, I'm telling this for a reason. So we have a guy come to our church, he's got complete kidney failure. <laughs> 
three years he's been on dialysis and um, when you're on dialysis your kidneys don't work, certain things don't happen. And they joined us last end of last year and uh, we really prayed for this man, lovely brother. And um, I asked him what, what sort of things would happen if he were healed. And he went through a list of things. So we begin to pray for those things. So uh, just a couple of weeks ago, he came to me privately. And this is kind of funny, but it's really exciting. He said, Paul. I said, what is it? He said, you know, I've been feeling better since you prayed. But only been, he's only been with us for about two months. He said, I have to tell you, he said, uh, after we prayed the other night in the connect group, he said, I actually went to the toilet. He hasn't passed water for two years. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Imagine how that feels. Because when you have kidney failure, kidneys don't work. So all of the fluid in our bodies has to go. It goes into the bloodstream. It's absorbed in the bloodstream. That's why they have dialysis. So he went to the doctor straight away. The doctor said, we don't know what's happening. <laughs> Something's happening. We don't know what it is. So he's just gone from death's door last year. He nearly died last year to believing that God is actually right now currently healing him. Isn't that amazing? So we just want to give thanks to God. And we're encouraged by what he does. He is still the healer. We sang it this morning. Let me get into this message. I'm going to get into this. If you've got your Bibles... And um, let me see if I can get this going. When we lose our cutting edge, when we lose our cutting edge, come with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 10. Father, I pray you'll bless this word to us this morning. We thank you for the fact that you never change. You have done stuff, you are doing stuff, and you're going to keep on doing stuff. That we're in that eternal flow of life from heaven. And God, I pray you'll encourage us this morning to understand that you've asked us to be that people who will do your work on earth. In Jesus' name. Keep us sharp, Jesus, we pray. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 10. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. I like the, uh, the New Living Translation. It says, using a dull axe requires great strength. So sharpen the blade. (laughs) That's the value of wisdom. It helps you to get the job done. Let me give you a couple of quick points to to start this morning. You know, you can always tell when the blade is dull, right? Uh, And of course, you can always tell when the axe is really sharp. Let me get this going. Here you go. You can always tell when the axe is sharp. This is a fake video, by the way, just in case anyone... Don't try this at home. <laughs> and if you're not sure about it, whether it's sharp or dull, you just get your mother-in-law to chop the wood. Apologies to all the mother-in-laws. And I want to encourage you this morning because I've called this message when you lose your cutting edge. When you lo- you, we must not lose our cutting edge. And God has been speaking into my heart and he's been showing us his goodness. It's got, really, we're, we're playing a tiny part in what he's doing. He's doing it. Yeah. But I've begun to understand the importance of staying sharp. And I've been wondering what would have happened if my friend had not shared with his barber 
about the fact that he'd been healed. What would have happened if we'd said, oh, no, let's not go that way, let's go this way? What would have happened if we had decided not to bother praying for someone or being in that place at that time? What would have happened? Well, we don't know what would have happened. Maybe when I get to heaven, God would have said, well, you know, that day when you were, you know, I was asking you to do something and you just were too busy. And so it's really important to understand that we've got to stay sharp and listen to the Holy Spirit. When I was preparing this message, I, I came across this great quote from Abraham Lincoln. He said, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four, first four sharpening the blade. That's a good quote. Anyone ever chop wood with a blunt axe? You know what it's like. And uh, whether it's a chainsaw or whatever. So all of that said, I want you to come with me, please, to a very unusual story. You'll be familiar with it in the Old Testament. It's in Second uh, Kings chapter 8, verse 1. Second Kings chapter 8, verse 1. It's another story about axes that need to be kept sharp. And so we read there in verse 1 of chapter 6, 2 Kings, The company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small. So let us go to the Jordan where we each, each of us can get a pole or a, a, a fellow tree and let us build a place for us there to meet. And he said, go. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? These are really important details of what I want to share with you today. Uh, Elisha said, I will. So he went with them and they went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said, and the man reached out his hand and took it. Two scriptures about axes. Two scriptures about staying sharp. And I want to encourage you this morning. I don't want anyone to go on a guilt trip, okay? Because we're at the exciting moment when God is, I believe, about to do some great things. Yeah. And you know, um, you look at the story and you think, well, what's a really strange story? There's a lot of symbolism in it and I've heard people preach on it. But as I was looking at this, God began to speak to my heart. And I, you know, there are a number of things we know what to do to stay sharp. Keep praying, keep talking to God, keep reading the Bible, keep quoting the verses of Scripture that encourage us. His promises to us are yes and amen. And we keep in fellowship, we let others sharpen us. We do all of this, those things, but sometimes stuff happens, right? And sometimes you can do all of those things and still find that you're feeling a little bit blunt, a little bit dull. The weariness, the discouragements, the stuff that happens in life that distract us. And we lose that extra something that God alone can give us that enables us to get the breakthrough. And I want to talk to you this morning about breakthroughs. We need, a, we need a sharp edge to get a breakthrough. Right. You know, I, I read, a, I read a, someone gave me a joke years ago, it just came to mind. There's a guy driving along the road and he saw a man in a field hitting a donkey over the head with a four by two. And so he thought, this is not right, I'll go down and speak to this man. So he went over to this man and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm just trying to get the donkey's attention. You know, donkeys are stubborn. This donkey was so stubborn it didn't even know he was getting instructions. And sometimes God has to kind of give us a smack over the head, you know. <laughs> sometimes stuff happens to get our attention. God's trying to get my attention. And sometimes stuff creeps into our lives. We just lose the edge. And sometimes it's the small foxes, isn't it, that spoil the vine. Yeah. 
So the enemy comes in, and even when we're pursuing the purpose of God, which these people were in a sense, and it's really important for us to understand something. Let me just make a point here. You know, in the Old Testament, when there were well-known prophets, they had a school of student prophets under them. This is the situation here uh, with Elisha. He'd received the prophetic mantle from Elijah when God called him to heaven. And so in this story, the school of the prophets, the company of the prophets came to this place and they were having these meetings. I don't know whether they were prophetic school or what it was. But they said, look, the place is too small. Can I just say this, friends? When there is a prophetic release in the house of God, somebody somewhere is going to say, this place is too small, brother. If there's a prophetic release amongst the people of God, somebody somewhere along the line is going to say, this is too small, this is too restrictive. God's got something bigger. Let's go and build something bigger for the kingdom of God. It's in the Bible all the way through. Look at the stories of the Bible. There's a voice comes from, the, from somewhere, the woodwork. <laughs> this place is too small. And so... There's going to be a need for a bigger place. In this instance, it was a bigger house for them to meet in, but it could have been a bigger vision, a new venture. You've got an exciting thing happening amongst you right now. That's the prophetic apostolic unction ex giving expression to the heart of God. You, you, you do understand this. Don't you? Really important to listen to that and respond to it. It could be a cry for a greater understanding, a greater revelation. If you check out Scripture and you check out Christian history you will never ever find anywhere in the bible or christian history where god speaks and says hang on a minute you're thinking too big this vision you've got is just ridiculously too big stop it god never says that he never asks his people to calm down and take a break and get re get real you know reasonable god always speaks and whenever he speaks it's always build something bigger D.L. Moody, the great evangelist teacher of the 1800s, said, if you go into partnership with God, make sure your plans are big. There's a great scripture in Revelation. You might want to quickly turn there. In Revelation 19, verse 10. And it's part of a verse that says, Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Do you know the same Holy Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in us. The same voice that gives expression to the testimony of Jesus lives inside. So that means every single one of us can be prophetic. It's just, I'm not being too deep here, it's just logic. Every single person who has the Holy Spirit can actually touch the prophetic realm by the grace of God and by the Holy Spirit's working within us. Because the testimony of Jesus, which each of us carry if you're a believer, is the spirit of prophecy. It's not some other spirit. He's the same Holy Spirit who breathed over the chaos in the book of Genesis and brought order out of it all. The same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, dwelling in us, giving life and quickening our mortal bodies. Same Holy Spirit. And so a person, a prophetic person, or a prophetic church, or a prophetic community, has to learn to live with the stirrings of God. Try it over here. <laughs> a prophetic person or a prophetic church or a prophetic community has to learn to live with the stirrings of the Holy Spirit. 
He's always stirring. He's the great stirrer. He's always saying, this is too small. I'm too restricted here. He's always saying, you need to do something bigger about this. You need to believe higher. You need to get a hold of who I really am because I can do immeasurably more than all that you ask or even imagine according to your power that's working within you. To him be glory in his church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Ephesians 3.20, my favorite verse. So this Holy Spirit who's living within us has a prophetic function. Amen. Amen. And I was... So he's always going to stir and awaken the heart for something bigger and better and greater and more fruitful and more effective and bring more glory to him. When I was preparing this word, um, the Lord spoke into my heart, I have a word for this church. I'm just going to read it because a few weeks ago I was, I was actually in a conversation with someone on, on Messenger and in between me sending a message and him replying, God just downloaded a whole bunch of stuff and I had to terminate the conversation. And I, as I get older, I've been having these really strange pictures and visions and dreams. The Bible does say that when you get old, you know, old men will dream dreams. And I had a flash picture. I saw a gigantic, I'm just going to offer this to you, I saw a gigantic iceberg. Now, we all know that an iceberg, whatever you see is not, what, is not actually the full size of an iceberg. The vastness of an iceberg is hidden under the water. And I saw this, it took about five seconds, this iceberg began to tip over. And um, as I saw this in my mind, the iceberg began to slowly tip over and as it rolled over, it reached a tipping point where it couldn't stop. It just went right over and all of the hidden mass of that iceberg broke the surface and came up and it was absolutely huge. And I can still see it in my mind's eye. And there's ice and water dropping off as this thing rolls over. And, and it ended just like that. And there was this wave that went out, as you can imagine. And as I begin to pray through this over the last few weeks, I'm saying, Lord, what was it? It was so vivid. And I've had dreams that I know were God dreams. And I know it's a God thing. And I have to ask God, what was that? What did it mean? And so here's what the Lord began to say to me. Because... Uh, it was about breakthrough. Your one breakthrough can release a deluge of blessing. And I go back to the stories I told at the beginning. One breakthrough has released faith into the church to such a level that the atmosphere has actually changed. We had a couple of tough years trying to get the church going and suddenly people are excited. I'm, I'm waiting to hear what happened this morning. We had a guy turn up two weeks ago. He said, oh, We'd seen him once before, months ago. He said, I've, I've, he said, would you pray? He said, I said, yeah, sure. He said, I'm going into hospital last Tuesday to have my bowel removed. I mean, this is really thrilling stuff, isn't it? <laughs> I said, well, wow. I said, you, it's, it's, you booked the operation. Yep. He said, I haven't told anybody. I said, man, well, let's pray. So my friend David and I, we prayed. So I get a call uh, just be, the day we left. His name is Phil. Phil's operation has been cancelled or been put off for a week. So he's going in next week. So he's going to be in the meeting this morning and get some more prayer. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It just seems unusual. I'm believing. I've got faith. God, maybe God just organized him so those surgeons just put the brakes on. Hey, let's just, let's just do another test maybe. I'm, 
I don't know. But the point I'm making is, one breakthrough, this is the word for it, one breakthrough can release a deluge of blessing because it raises the level. And you know, when this iceberg tipped over, there was this massive wave. Anyone in the near vicinity were going to get absolutely drenched and soaked with it. And I believe that there are many people here today, and it came up in the conversation, I think, before. You're standing on miracle territory. It's that close. Oh, I feel this this morning. Healing miracles, financial miracles, and relational miracles. I believe the Lord is about to move his people to another level, and it's about the restoration of the apostolic mantle that has been hidden under the surface. As I was contemplating, I felt that, and I'm feeling it again now, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's about the restoration of the apostolic mantle that has been hidden under the surface, and the devil's been trying to divert attention from that to this and something else. Meanwhile, this iceberg, this thing that is starting to tip over, is reaching a tipping point. And I'm here to tell you this morning, folks, it's hit the tipping point. It's about to go. By the grace of God, get ready for something. He wants his church, like my friend, is an apostolic sign in our house. God wants the miraculous power of God to be an apostolic sign in the house, in the church. I don't believe it's just for this church. It's for his church. God's about to do something significant. Talk to the prophetic people. They'll tell you something's coming. And... uh, Even those things that were considered rare and unusual among the people of God, sought after, it's about to break the surface and become established again as the norm. I believe the Lord is saying this. It's as if a massive resources of heaven, which have been hidden from so many, are about to surface and become clear again. And if you just track back in the history of the Pentecostal church, you are all Pentecostal here, right? Signs and wonders as miracles that were just common all the time. It's coming back. And I believe the devil's been blocking it from our view, but I believe that he's not going to be able to stop this thing when it rolls over like that. He's not going to stay. He's going to get swept away. You know, we take authority over the coronavirus in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I get very suspicious when a living organism destroys lives. That's demonic. Let's just call it what it is. It's demonic. So we break that thing in the name of Jesus and we bring the cross and the blood of Christ against it and we declare the power of God to heal and deliver in Jesus' name. And we've got to get that edge back, folks. If if you're going to be passive, the devil will just wipe the floor with you. I'm sorry to use such blunt language. You've got to get radical here. I believe the Lord is saying that in that season he will restore what has been hidden has been preparing an apostolic voice from within my church, says the Lord. It will be the voice of declaration and the voice of victory. It is a voice to raise up and release and change atmospheres. That's what apostles do. They change atmospheres. And the church in the book of Acts changed the whole atmosphere of the city of Jerusalem. Right? Come on, help me out here. And it's a voice to raise up and release anointing, anointing for the church. I believe that God has heard the cry of those who have never wavered in their faith. They've kept themselves sharp. Let me get on with my message. By the way, um, just let me say this to you too. Uh, I believe there's a, 
Um, we sang a song this morning about um, giving glory to all that he'd done so that I could be ready for all that he has. I forget the words. You would know the one I mean. And um, there's an anointing. I'm, I'm just been, let me just hear this. There's an anointing. It's not the anointing. It's a, it's a grace from God. It's not the grace that you get on the mountaintop. There's a grace we get on the mountaintop and the victory but there's a grace that comes in the valley. Wow. There's a grace in the cave. It comes from God. It's in the refiner's fire. It's the grace that comes in those dark places when you're saying, God, where are you? It's the dark room days. There's a grace that comes, but I tell you, when that grace comes in those places, there's an authority that comes with it that you cannot get on the mountaintop. There's a strength and a boldness and an authority in the Holy Spirit that comes in those dark places for the days that are ahead. And I believe that for those who would lead an apostolic house, you're going to have to have an apostolic anointing. That's where you get it. And all that stuff you've been going through, you don't realize it, but he's been building it. Wow. It's on you. It's on you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray. Lord, I thank you for this church. I, God, I thank you for the tenacity and the faith that's in this place. And I pray, God, today in Jesus' name, you'd strengthen this people. I'm going to rush through this very quickly. You know, there's a little part in this scripture where, in the, the story where the, the guy comes to Elisha and he says, I've lost the accent. He said, well, where is it? I want to tell you, if you've lost your... You've lost your cunning edge. God will always take you back to where you lost it. Always. You want to go around the mountain again and again, that's fine. But Jesus will always take you back to that place where the edge was taken. The enemy stole something. Maybe it's a wrong attitude. Maybe you handled something in the wrong way. Something happened to dull the blade. And Jesus will always take you back to that place. Can I encourage you today to go back to that place? Or I could tell you stories in the Bible about different ones who've just been doing amazing things. Where did you lose the cutting edge? Go back to that place. And you know when Jesus said, if you've got faith as small as a mustard seed, small as a mustard seed, Jesus deliberately chose the smallest seed and said, that kind of faith, you can say to the mountain, jump in the lake. And here's Elisha, he looks around and he finds a little stick. I don't know if there's anything smaller than a little stick. But you know, he took that little stick and he said, throw it in the water. And God, when you go back to that place, all he wants you to do this time round, do a kingdom thing. Throw some faith, a little stick of faith into the situation. I'm not asking you to do a great thing. God may ask you to do all sorts of things, but just put some faith in the situation. And you know what will happen? It'll cause the cutting edge to come back into our life. It's all about obedience. And you know, I... I, when I read this story, Elisha says to the guy, you go and get it. You pick it out of the water. It floats there. Many people just want God to do it all. But God says, you just reach out and take it. Go and pick it up. Get it back. Get it back. I believe God is right now in, in his, amongst his people. He's trying to restore the cutting edge to the church. We, we can quote the scriptures, oh, we're the head, not the tail, you know, God is great. But unless something happens, so there's got to be a movement, a change, 
a way to deal with stuff differently in a kingdom way so that actually we have the edge back. Look through the Bible, look at those people in the scriptures, they, they, they push to opposition. Look at the early church. I mean, well, I could spend a lot of time, I'm not going to do that. Let's just stand for a moment as we bring this to a close. Thank you for listening. It's been a bit disjointed. But I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to us today. Just where you're standing, close your eyes. Maybe you feel great. Maybe you're full of the Spirit. God's using you and things are going great. And that's wonderful. But just bear with me. For those who are feeling that you might have lost your edge, stuff has just become a little bit blah. There's a dullness there. You've lost your sharpness in the Holy Spirit. Just with your eyes closed, would you just ask the Holy Spirit? Maybe you know what it is. Maybe, maybe you reacted when you shouldn't have. Maybe you criticized when you needn't have. Somewhere along the line, maybe there's a relational issue. Maybe it's a besetting sin. Maybe there's some issue that you're just kind of going around that mountain again and again and again. And Jesus is saying, look, Holy Spirit, you know, Elisha is a type of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying to this guy, where did you lose your edge? Go there right now in your mind. Just take a minute. Take 10 seconds with me. Go there right now. Jesus, help us, I pray. We don't want to miss what's coming, Lord. And just in simple faith, just say, Jesus, I want my cutting edge back. Give me back my edge. Give me back my effectiveness. You remember, somebody remembers in the early days you were so full on for God and somehow it's just become a little bit dreary. God wants to restore you to your first love and give you such a passion again because these are the days when God is restoring something apostolic and powerful and you don't want to miss that, friend. You don't want to miss that. Just ask him, God, give me back my cutting edge. And in faith, you might even want to do it. Just reach out your hand and take it. I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back in faith in the name of Jesus. I'm going to be that person that I have longed to be. I don't want to pass this rock again. You know, the children of Israel went round and round the mountain for 40 years. Saw the same scenery. God doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to move into the new thing that's about to break forth. The iceberg is tipping over. Father, I pray, let your grace be upon these people in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, because you're God Almighty, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord.